Darren, the reports I'm getting are that people are clamoring, clamoring for a new episode of Dave and Darren's Top 5 It's true. They won't leave us alone. These people are about jonesing. So anybody knows where to get some good Dave and Darren. These babies are going crazy. And the bar owners are hurting. Welcome uh, to the Top 5 Things podcast. This is a review of all the good stuff that we got done on our morning show, which you can hear each and every weekday morning from 5.30 until 10. This podcast, the Top 5 Things from Dave and Darren, is being brought to us by Nature's Treatment of Illinois. Yes, Nature's Treatment of Illinois. They are the only locally owned dispensary. That makes a difference. Tech Drive in Milan and West Main Street in Galesburg. They're both locations open seven days a week. Both dispensaries offer recreational cannabis, and Milan also offers medicinal, including uh, topicals for localized pain. Let's get right into it, yeah? Uh, number one. One. Number one. Number one. Number one. And this should be obvious. Okay, number one. Number one. 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 Number one. This is real alternative radio. Of course, we play alternative music. From time to time, we like to share with you some alternative points of view. These are unpopular opinions. I don't like cold pillows, someone says here. Feel free to share your unpopular opinions with us on the text line, by the way, at 563-223-8355. I don't like cold pillows. Everyone always talks about how great cold pillows are, but I like to be warm and cozy when I go to bed. Maybe I'm weird. Or maybe it's just because I have a hard time regulating my body temperature. And I will be cold if anything cold is touching me. Either way, give me a warm pillow all the way. I have a hard time regulating my body temperature. What are you, a gecko? Cold or, or warm pillow, Darren? What would your preference well, I don't, be? Well, I don't, I don't know that I have either. I don't know that I have either. I have just a pillow. It's not necess- It's not hot. It's not cold. You've never heard the expression cooler than the other side yeah, of the pillow? I, yes, and I suppose to some to some degree it's a, it can be a tiny bit cooler it's from time to time that yeah. way, but no, I don't I don't I don't sleep on a block of ice. <laughs> I just my my pillow is neither hot nor cold. Hmm. It's room temperature. <laughs> Isn't yours? Bedroom temperature? Yeah, bedroom <laughs> temperature, isn't it? Is that a thing? Well, no, because you can heat up your pillow with your head. Well, I and suppose then you, need you to do, kinda... but that's something that happens, you know, during the course of sleeping, and then you wake up. I don't know. You... I don't freeze a pillow. Craig texting in. Here's my unpopular opinion. Ba- yes. Babies are domestic terrorists who should be sent to Gitmo <laughs> until they can sleep through the night. If everyone does it, then it'll be normal. Oh, wow. Having is, some, is someone having a parent some... for the first time? Oh, <laughs> boy. <laughs> Domestic terrorists? Easy now. That's a bit much. Easy now. Unpopul- such a thing exists. Unpopular opinion. Pajama pants in public is perfectly okay. I didn't realize I was in the mor- minority here until recently. I think pajama bottoms. You're gonna bottoms, love Walmart. I think pajama bottoms look nice. They're comfortable and completely acceptable in public, such as going to a store, a school, a park, a library, etc. Let me ask you this: Is it more acceptable, like on an early Saturday morning, if you see that? You're asking my opinion. Yes. Pajamas are for your house. Yes, yeah. Yes. I can see sweatpants. You know, it's one thing if you are wearing pajama pants to like drive your kids to school, or go. Get but you're not getting out of the car or get the mail. Yeah. Oh, I've done that. I've gotten the mail in my pajama pants. Sure. But going to the convenience store on no, a Saturday morning. That's what regular pants yeah, are for. Yeah, I got it's you. not a burden to dress no. in clothing. It shouldn't be. This person, though, thinks pajama pants in public are okay. Quote, they're just plaid sweatpants. Most of the time, they're even more comfy than sweats. If they're clean, unstained, unripped, and well-fitting, well, I think they make for an excellent feature in a stylish outfit. And your butt looks great in them. As long as one is clean, prioritizing comfortability is, in my opinion, completely respectable. 
That is an unpopular opinion. How about this one? Muhammad Ali. If he were a boxer in today's era, uh-huh. he'd be terrible. No, I th- no, uh, he, he would slaughter people today. I watched a documentary about Muhammad Ali today, and then I went through a YouTube deep dive into his fights. And from what I saw, Muhammad Ali would be eaten alive in today's era. By who? Or even the 2000s or the 90s era of boxing. First of all, I want to say I'm not equating greatness with boxing skill. If we're talking about all-time greatest boxers, those who influence the sport and the world outside of boxing, well, then there's no one that compares to Muhammad Ali. I'm simply talking about the art of boxing itself. That being said, Ali's super-fast hit-and-dash style of fighting would put him on the ground in the first round of today's boxing era. Can you name a boxer from today? Can I? Yeah. No. Name a heavyweight. I couldn't tell you. I, that's exactly right. Obviously, the sport of boxing has changed as more talent appears. His popularity seems to only increase within the years, but it seems like many people still think Ali would be great in today's age of boxing. This thought occurred to me when I saw an interview where Mike Tyson said that Ali would beat him in his prime. But I was just thinking, no way Ali would beat Mike Tyson or Tyson Fury. Or Deontay Wilder. Oh, he'd, my goodness, he'd cream those guys. If Mike Tyson tells you in his prime that he believed Muhammad Ali would kick his ass, I would listen to what Mike Tyson's telling you. Yeah, I would believe him. Be an interesting fight. I'm sure that if Ali had trained with today's boxing knowledge, he'd still be one of the best in history due to his size and mentality. But speaking of his skill set during his career, if I had a time machine to bring him in his prime right over, the average heavyweight in today's era would absolutely destroy Muhammad Ali. Not a chance. Yeah. These are unpopular opinions. This one's a little bit easier to wrap your head around. They simply say, I don't like croutons on my salad. There is no need to introduce these stale little pieces of bread onto my salad. They're a tooth injury waiting to happen. Tooth injury. And an added carb and possible stomach ache that I'm just not interested in. It's super easy to remove them, though. They usually (laughs) want to... I'd like to point that out, though. (laughs) They usually fall off the salad onto the table anyway. So usually, I don't say anything. See, I would never... I probably wouldn't add croutons to a salad I'm making. Yeah. But if one shows up and it's got it on there... That's fine. I don't think I'll eat a salad without croutons. You make you put croutons on at home? Hell yes. Okay. Get a big bag of croutons and you're good to go. Do you ever just eat the bag and not make a salad? It has happened. I bet it has. There have been occasions where there's not enough croutons for a salad. And I'll just eat I'll them just snack. snack. Them. I'll just snack them then. I think they're great. I love them. I <laughs> know you do. Unpopular opinion. Travel is frustrating, angering, expensive, and just not worth it. It happens. There seems to be a fetish around travel with people these days. I don't know if it's called a fetish. Like it's the greatest (laughs) thing in the world. When in reality, travel mostly sucks. It can. Pack up all your stuff, but probably forget the things you need. Go to a transportation hub like an airport where you're elbow to elbow with other people rushing around to get invasively probed by the TSA. Board a plane where you're crammed in a really small space with all of humanity's worst people and have to listen to some Gen Z-er blast music from his cell phone or some silly parenting podcast all flight. You get to the destination and figure out where your lodging is and then try and figure out where to get food three times a day. (laughs) You explore places that are jammed with other people, mostly acting dumb and doing selfies and live streaming. And to top it all off, you got to pay thousands and thousands of dollars. For what? The inconvenience. No, thank you. Travel is way overrated. Well, probably they're not wrong. If you're looking for just leisure, yeah. if you're looking for just leisure, yeah. don't travel. If you're just talking about you've got a week, you have a week oh, and you need leisure. No, I think 
I'm I'm a fan of traveling. No, I don't. I'm, I'm, I'm not a fan of the traveling part of the traveling. I get it. Getting it, it, to a place, no one likes that, right? Yes. Being somewhere else, though, is everything. Well, I don't disagree, but it's. One last popular opinion. The long hand of a clock. That's what should indicate the hours, not the minutes. Now that I'm teaching my kids how to read a clock, it reminds me again of how counterintuitive I find the hands on a clock to be. Always felt this way since I was a kid. An hour is longer than a minute. The hour hand is the most important part of the clock. But it's the smaller one? It just makes no sense whatsoever. How did we end up here? And how long do we want to keep pretending that this makes any sense? Can we please change this? The long hand of a clock should indicate the hours, not the minutes. See, this is the sort of opinion I like. (laughs) Because it's not the sort of thing a lot of people think about. No, no. Yeah, and, and from what they're saying here, this is an opinion they've had for a long time. Although, having said that, you don't see a lot of minute hands on clocks anymore. Or, se- I guess, second hands. Not, but she's just talking about minute hands. Minute, yeah. yeah. Minute the, hands. The, the hour is, minute, the, hour hands is the shorter one, and the minute is minute the longer hands you see. one. Minute hands you see, yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. The argument is, again, she's, he or she is saying that an hour is longer than a minute, so that hand should yeah. be longer. Yeah. I would, I would counter that the word hour is shorter than the word minute. But well, and the minute hand, and then the hour, the hour hand isn't going to move as much. <laughs> right, right. It moves like twelve times a day, and repeats the, the same twelve uh, times. <laughs> Unpopular opinions. We're happy to share them with you, and maybe give you something to think about. Number two. Number two. <laughs> Number two. My favorite story of the entire weekend is the Alabama football game. So rainy? No, no, no. Uh, This is in Birmingham, Alabama. There was an incident on the field. The, 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 I guess the game was over, Mm -hmm. and the marching band was performing, Mm -hmm. and they kept performing. Yeah. To the point where the cops say to the marching band director, time for you to wrap it up with this marching band. Yeah. We need you to stop the performance. Yeah. And the marching band director's like, my kids are not going to stop playing. So the cops tased the marching band director. (laughs) Can you do that? (laughs) I'm guessing you can. Incident unfolded in a football field where Johnny Mims, the band director at Minor High School, faced a tasing by a police officer after refusing to halt his band's performance for the crowd. And what school was this again? Minor High School. Minor High School. In Birmingham, Alabama. The band director now faces charges of disorderly conduct, harassment, and resisting arrest due to his insistence on encouraging his teenage band members to continue playing long after the football game had concluded. So the police officer wants to go home. We're all done here. Nah, not We're going to wrap that up. We're going to close the, the field and everything. <laughs> no. here's, uh, here's the uh, superintendent of schools there at Jefferson County. Quote, we are aware of the incident that occurred after the minor and Jackson-Olin football game I am in the process of gathering all the facts and feel it would be inappropriate to comment further until that process is complete. I urge everyone not to jump to conclusions. The situation arose when police were looking to clear out the stadium. Sure. After Minor High School had beat Jackson Olin 27 to nothing. Despite the home team's cooperation in ceasing their performance when requested by police, Mims, keep in mind, he was the director of the visiting team's marching band. Oh, it was a visiting team? Yes. Well, that's strange. He directed his students to persist with their music, even though the cops said that's enough. 
Law enforcement repeatedly urged Mims, the band director, to cease the music and facilitate the departure of students and ticket holders from the stadium. Those requests went unheeded. That's a big undertaking, bringing your, you know, the visiting band. Uh -huh. that's, a, that's a big job. Yeah. Yeah, I, I wouldn't think typically the, the band no. travels, right? No, Not you, in high school. You wouldn't think so. Regrettably, it says here, these requests were unheeded, and a decision was made to place him into custody. An altercation then ensued between Mims and the arresting officers, during which he allegedly resisted arrest, refused to place his hands behind his back, and even pushed one of the cops. Oh, they don't like that. No. In a response to the physical confrontation, the arresting officer deployed a taser, which ultimately ended the struggle. Yeah, don't don't, don't taste do me, bro. <laughs> what are you doing? The arresting officer then subdued the band director with a taser, which ended the confrontation. Following the incident, Mims received medical treatment at a hospital as per protocol before being released and <laughs> transported directly to the Birmingham jail. I wonder, I wonder if the band, once they saw the tasing, like broke into a different song, <laughs> like Thunderstruck or... <laughs> they got to know... They, Kisses shock. shock me. Your lightning's all I need. <laughs> Don't bring me down. <laughs> just, just. <laughs> they repeatedly asked him to stop, and he refused. No, kids, keep playing. I don't know, man. It seems to me that if you're on the road with your marching band, and the cops say that's enough. Well, maybe they. he felt like, you know, we just didn't get enough of an opportunity to play because when halftime rolled around, right. the, home, the home band was playing. They didn't give us any a chance to play. We, so we're going to play. We barely got a chance to play. We're going to play here, and we're trying to get people out of the stadium. Well, hey, we're listen, trying to give them a performance that'll... What do I always say? Bend it till you end it. <laughs> Three. All right, number three. Number three. Number three. 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 There's this video that you'll see a lot of today that's gone viral where there's a bunch of kids swimming at a state park in Texas. Yeah. This happened over the weekend. Yeah. And they're in this, like, pond swimming in a, or like a lake or something along those lines. The kids are swimming in Huntsville, Texas, and while they're swimming, you just see in the video that's being taken, this massive alligator kind of make its way over to where the kids are. Uh-huh. It's pretty alarming. This alligator is 12 feet long, and you can see it swimming towards a group of children at the Huntsville State Park in Texas. So these are little kids? Quick-thinking cameraman thought, they're, they're, yes, young kids. Quick-thinking cameraman uh, thought it was a smaller alligator, but when when you you know when you see it, you see it splashing the water. It's like, oh no, this thing is, this thing is big, and an anonymous bystander then runs into the water, flailing his arms and telling these uh, shrieking kids, "You need to get out of the waters immediately because yeah. it's alligator infested." And I'll say it: it's time to close the beaches in Huntsville, Texas. Shut them down. Shut it all down. Got hurt. Nobody did get hurt, but it's pretty terrifying. Once the kids were safely on shore, uh, one woman, armed with a floaty, tried to get closer to the gator, and it started to swim away. But when you see at the end of the clip this thing getting closer and closer to the sand, you see just how big this thing is, and how this could have been a, yeah. a, a much, much worse story. Yeah, Nobody gotta, was hurt. You got to remind those kids, you know, for an alligator. The sheriff arrived and did, in fact, close the beach, there you which go. is the right thing to do. Kudos to that sheriff. The Texas Parks and Wildlife Department is discouraging people from feeding or aggravating alligators and advises that you should stay at least 30 feet away from the gators at all times. Oh, I like to give myself more room than that. <laughs> 
They rarely chase people, but they can outrun or outswim the fastest person for the first 30 feet. Oh, yeah. They can get quick. Then they get spent. As do I. I read this weekend that if you're, like, in the ocean, uh-huh. let's say you're, you know, out in, the, out in the waters, if you see a shark. It's on top of you already. You're already in its mouth. Well, that's the whole point. If you see a shark, don't freak out. Because if you can see it, that means that it either doesn't see you or it has no interest in you. When a shark attack happens, you don't see it. Ah. In fact, it's halfway done eating you before you even realize what's going on. When you listen to people's shark attack stories, it's not like, I saw it and it kept coming at me and yeah. then it bit me. Yeah. It's, I was in the water and the next thing I know, I'm it's being on top of consumed. You. Yeah. So when you see a shark in the water, your instinct is to panic a little bit. Of course, you know, I'm not going to tell you not to panic if you're in water and you see a shark. But the good news is, if you can see it, you're probably going to be fine. It's what you don't see that you should be terrified of. Well, I don't go in the ocean by myself. I'm I'm glad that you have that role. Stay close to others. (laughs) You're right. I was also reading that if you ever find yourself in a fight with a kangaroo... In the ocean? I would imagine this would be more on land. Uh, kangaroo, I don't think... Will they follow me into the ocean? That's a great question. That's a great question, because where kangaroos live is a giant island. So I could just... No always... matter what, if you ran fast enough and right. far enough, you would get to the ocean at some point. Now, I don't think I could outrun a kangaroo, but if I can make it to the water, mm-hmm. maybe I'd be all right. Yeah, I don't know that it would chase you into the water. I've never seen footage of that. If you find yourself in a fight with a kangaroo, they say what you need to do is punch that thing as hard as you can. Oh, I don't know about that. It's going to punch me. Well, here's It's going to kick me right ah, in the face. Ah, ah, see? And there is why you punch a, a kangaroo as hard as you can. Th- if you think about it, it makes sense. But it wasn't until this was explained to me with the author uh, explaining it to me. If you're in a fight with a, with a kangaroo... You punch it as hard. You give everything you have to that first punch. They say if you uh, if you back down or you run, you step away from a kangaroo. What if I miss? It's got you dead to rights. You're not going to miss. Punch it in the face as hard as you can. Because here's the thing. I don't want to hurt it. Yeah, you do. If you're in a fight with a kangaroo, I'm not going to get in a fight with a kangaroo. You don't know that you're not. You don't know that you're not. Listen, it's it's not a matter of like uh, you have a disagreement and. You could find yourself in a situation where you're face-to-face with a kangaroo. You're in a bar fight with a kangaroo. Listen, I don't know. Maybe it's mating season, and that thing thinks That thing's trying to rut me. Uh, Exactly. I can see why it would want to. Oh, I'll tell you right now. If I was face-to-face with a kangaroo and it was giving me the look, I'd punch it right in its stupid face. The look of love? No, I I wouldn't. No. Here's the thing. You punch a kangaroo as hard as you can because to a kangaroo... A punch is only like one, like one tenth as powerful as a kick. You know their arms are kind of useless. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They never pick they, up the check. They got the. They will kick you because that's where all the power. Oh, is. they'll kill so you. So if you punch a kangaroo, it's no. gonna go. Wow, if this guy's arms are that strong, his legs are probably Superman. You strength. think they're thinking all that? They do. I'm telling you, a kangaroo expert. Told me all of this. I'd probably just blow vape in its face. What do you think of that? What, are you at a Beetlejuice concert? Maybe. Grabbing a handful of something? Oh, I got a handful. No, the, uh, the thing to do is, if you ever, again, uh, this is not for alligators, so it's not for sharks. But if you find yourself in a vicious kangaroo fight, punch it in the face as hard as you can. I'm not saying go around starting fights with kangaroos. But I'll tell you this, with kangaroos, you don't start anything, but you don't take anything. You know what I'm saying? If, they, if a kangaroo's giving you that look like it's go time. A kangaroo's going to kick me right in the mouth. No, not if you, if you punch it first, it'll back away and run away. You know what I would do? Mm. I'd jump in his pouch. That's not, that, well, first of all, that's only, that's only lady kangaroos that have. Well, who do you think pouch. I'm in a fight with? Well, no, I don't, you don't ever hit a woman kangaroo, Darren. I'm, I'm, not, ju- I'm not suggesting you fight a woman I'm kangaroo. Gonna jump in What's your, the matter with I'm you? I'm going to jump in your pouch and turn the tables on you. 
What do you think of that? <laughs> Take me for a now ride. Now let's go. Let's go. You're just pointing different directions you want the kangaroo to take. I'm, I'm, I don't know, buddy. Here, I'm pretty a, heavy. I'll tell you what, I'm a load. <laughs> four. 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 Are you still trying to sell Michael Jordan's house? No. They're never going to sell that <laughs> <No>. one. <laughs> it's, it's, it's too Jordanized. Yeah, I, I know if, it. If they were to sell... Now, Jordan has a house in the suburbs of Chicago, and it's basically a... A monument to his career. To himself. Yeah. I mean, there's just giant number 23s everywhere, which, you know, makes sense for him. If that's your lucky number. Right. When you buy a house like that, it's either a lot of work to get rid of it. I think the, the problem with the Jordan house is he has a number in mind for what he thinks it should sell for because it used to belong to Michael Jordan. Yeah. But no. homes are meant to be lived in. Right. It's like, who is the character out in Las Vegas that uh, you, you can buy his house, but you got you got to take all the yeah. There's football like helmets, ten thousand football helmets or something ridiculous. Yeah, yeah. That would at least make sense, though. You could make it an Airbnb. You could turn that around into something. You know, I don't know that you could. It, and it didn't seem like that Vegas story. It didn't seem like for as close as that house was to the strip. It didn't seem like it was an outrageous sum he was asking. No, it wasn't. Yeah, it wasn't what Michael Jordan's asking. And you could buy the Jordan house and turn it into an Airbnb and charge people to stay at Michael Jordan's house, but that just seems like a lot more work than anybody's willing to do. As opposed to just living in a house. Right. Uh, now you've got me wondering, how long has that house, Jordan's house, been on the market? Like, at least 10 years, right? Probably 20. It was the last time he played for the Bulls. Right. Yeah. 25 years uh, ago? It's been on the market 10 years. 10. Michael Jordan's Chicago area mansion, as of May of this year, was still on the market. He has cut the price in half and tried various ways to incentivize people to purchase Which it. suburb is that in? Is it Deerfield? That's what I'm thinking. He's tried to sweeten the pot by cutting the price nearly in half and throwing in a complete set of Air Jordans with the purchase of the house. And yet, Michael Jordan's home remains unsold. He's paying more than $100,000 a year in annual property taxes. The oh, house, bet. originally listed for $29 million, has every bell and whistle you can think of, including what they call in the real estate game an over-improvement. The house's location also makes it hard to sell the property. 56,000-square-foot, seven-acre home. It's in, actually in Highland Park. Oh, it's in Highland Illinois. Park. Yeah. When you approach from the ground, you can tell right away the entire estate belongs to legendary number 23, Michael Jordan, and that might be what's keeping it from selling. Now you can buy it for just 49, or, or I'm sorry, $14.9 million. Yeah. I wonder I, if he went to the Ravinia Fest all the time. Oh, I. why wouldn't he? I mean, it's right there. Mm-hmm. If you can tear yourself away from the infinity pool, the large patio, and the tennis courts. Yeah. No, the Jordan house is not the, the legendary American home that sold for a shockingly low price. But it's similar kind of in a way. Because oh, the I money bet. that was spent on this, yeah. you cannot live in the house. I bet I know. Is it the Brady house? It is the Brady house. HGTV TV renovated the iconic Brady Bunch house and ended up selling it for far below its original asking price. So the Brady house, it, it's tricky because the exteriors of that home were what they used, but they didn't film inside the house, obviously. That was all done on a soundstage. That's a soundstage. So when you go into the Brady house, it this looks... This doesn't look like it at all. It looks nothing like the Brady house. Where's the den? So HGTV did a show a number of years ago where they had all of the Brady kids renovate the home to look exactly like it did on the oh, show. Oh, God. First listed, the Brady home first listed on the market for $5.5 million. They ended up selling it for $3.2 million. But is that house anywhere near worth that? It's, I mean, as, as far as just if it wasn't the Brady house? That's the thing. And, and as far as, like, neighborhood and surrounding houses, 
those aren't going for that, is it? No, no. When you look at the comps, no. No, you're paying for the fact that it was the Brady house. Yeah. And the fact that the Brady kids did all the renovation to make it look, the interior look like it did on the show. No, they didn't. They kind of did. No, they didn't. They held a hammer while, the, while they rolled tape. Tina Trahan is the new owner of the Brady Bunch home. She is, a, it says here, a passionate home, historic home enthusiast and a devoted Brady Bunch fan. Her husband, Chris Albrecht, was a former chief executive of HBO. They are now the proud owners of the Brady House, originally purchased by HGTV for $3.5 million in 2018 and extensively renovated during the TV show A Very Brady Renovation. And then sold it for what they bought it for. They, yeah, they, they put a ton of money into it. And didn't make a dime. Nope. Listed by the network at $5.5 million. Unfortunately, it says here, HGTV had to sell the cherished sitcom treasure at a financial loss. Took a bath. HGTV's decision to accept an offer of $2 million below the asking price Explained by the listing agent, Danny Brown, who says, well, it's a unique property, and it's really difficult to have a comparable sale to this. If you went in there, what would be like one of the first things you would look for? The horse. The horse sculpture at the bottom of the stairs. You wouldn't check out the back to see if it was AstroTurf? Oh, I would. And is there a volcano there? It doesn't look like it's a very big backyard. I'd like to see Alice's quarters, too, they, as to, was it just like a cot next to the washer and dryer? <laughs> it's a, a folded-out cardboard box on the floor. It, did, it didn't seem like they did a lot for her. What's I mean, the, to the point that they wouldn't show it. Why, why are these chains bolted to the wall? What went on in here? There's the doggy door that uh, Sam used to crawl through. <laughs> Tiger never once used that door. Tiger never used it, but Sam did a lot. Yeah, they said savvy investors understood the property's limited value for short-term rentals. You should have known something was going on with the fact that there was butcher's paper on the floor all the time. Built in 1959, the Brady Bunch house has undergone extensive changes and now boasts a spacious layout spanning over 5,000 square feet. HGTV meticulously recreated the iconic orange and avocado green kitchen to match its appearance in the series. Property now features five bedrooms and five bathrooms with an extra 3,000 square feet added in the form of a second level. Actually, it's four and a half. It's a four and a half bath. That half bath was Alice's. It's just a it was bucket a, in the corner. It was a drain. <laughs> <laughs> Call it a half bath if you want to. Uh, Tina Trahan, the new owner of the Brady Bunch House, says here in a statement to the Wall Street Journal that, in her view, the Brady Bunch House, despite its appealing purchase price, represents a terrible investment. Her words. Well, yeah, plus the fact that you have to put up with people out in your front yard all the time. Get out of here! She says, the Leave me alone! The kitchen's design was not meant for functional cooking, but rather resembles a piece of artwork, and making any alterations would be a potential detriment to its artistic value. Her argument is, I bought a dollhouse. You can't really cook in that kitchen. It's Why not? not? Because it's, a, it's an actual house. Yeah, but it's like all old stuff. It looks like the Brady kitchen. It doesn't look like a modern-day kitchen. So, yeah, she says, this is what I bought was a dollhouse. And the only thing in the refrigerator? Pork chops and applesauce. Well, she actually says you cannot make pork chops or applesauce in the kitchen. Why not? I could make that right here. I guess there, there's something about it. What do you mean you can't make it? She says the kitchen's just not effective for it. It just won't work. I, I don't understand. You that. won't be making any pork chops or applesauce. She says, quote, to the Wall Street Journal, quote, nobody's going to live in it. No one is going in there to make pork chops and applesauce in that kitchen. Anything you might do to make the house livable would take away from, I consider, artwork. There is an outlet right there. I yeah. could make pork chops right now. This is a huge 
huge financial loss. Do you says. know you just open a jar of applesauce? How much would it suck to live in the neighborhood where the Brady House oh is? Oh, my God. And there's just constantly people getting their picture taken in front of it. You'd have to. You'd probably have to fire some warning shots. <laughs> yeah. You'd have to have a constant, you know, just... I don't know what the laws are there, but you'd have to have just a bundle of Roman candles. <laughs> the house from uh, the original Halloween, Jimmy Lee Curtis's house from the first Halloween movie, that is up for sale. Uh, they want $1.8 million for it. If you want to buy the Jimmy Lee Curtis Halloween house, $1.8 million. Didn't they sell, that? not all that long ago, the uh, what was supposed to be the... The Inn on the New Heart Show? Oh, did they? I hadn't heard that. Or am I making that up? I might be making that up. The Full House House, the Victorian from the movie, for the TV show Full House. Oh, those people are right on top of you. Yeah. I, now that not, went, a ch- not a chance. That was on the market not long ago. And the people in that neighborhood say, it is the worst. You're just constantly dealing with people trampling all over all of your your stuff to get to just the there's no room yeah yeah that would that would be a drag to live well, on a plus block. the fact you're in san francisco which you know i'm sure it's beautiful but it's pricey yeah there is that yeah they did a, a two million dollar makeover on the full house house in san francisco i'm not sure if they sold it but i do know that yeah, this doesn't look. This looks like it's it's been on the it's been on the market for years. Nobody wants to move in it because it's just constant people knocking on the door asking if Michelle is home. Okay, I wouldn't do that. It's it's like the the poor people who in 1982 happened to have a phone number that was eight six seven five three zero nine, and all hours of the night the phone's ringing. And you got to say, you listen to me. Our girl Jenny's a good girl. Quit calling us all hours of the day and night. I just, uh, I'd love to walk in the Brady house. I'd love to see it. If they offered it up as an Airbnb, man, I'd love to spend a night in the Brady house. I think that would be Up in the attic with Johnny Bravo. I would play ball. I would do all of the things. Joe Namath wants to know if he can come in. (laughs) He's at the front Is he door. the only survivor? Rosie Greer's still around. Who? Rosie Greer. No, he's not. Struggling. Davy Jones is dead. Yeah. Don Drysdale's dead. Yeah. Who else was like a guest star? They were always like, that was about it. Um, well, Uncle Fester. <laughs> he's dead. Rosie Greer is 91 years old. He's not dead. He is? Yes. Oh, that makes me feel good. Yes, Rosie Gray is still very much with us. I might have to watch Skyjack. <laughs> yes, you might. Or the man with two two heads. Now, see, I, I think that's what you're thinking of. The other head died. Ray Meland? Ray Meland's dead. Well, but duh. Rosie Greer still thrives. How, how does that work? How does Ray Meland die and it doesn't affect the Rosie Greer? They had I guess that was just a movie. No, there was a surgery they did before and after the show. I have so both they, movies, you know. I don't doubt that you do. I've, I've got. Do I, you really have the man with two heads? I've got that, and then I've got Skyjacked. Oh I could, wow! I could do like a Rosie Greer um, festival. And now you're talking the Rosie Greer Film Fest. Now you're talking. He also appeared in. Uh, McMillan and Wife, yeah. The Treasure of Jamaica Reef, The Seekers, and The Love Boat. That's not bad. Mm-hmm. That's a whole day. By the way, the name of the movie we're being told here on the text line is The Thing with Two Heads. The Thing with Two Heads. Ray Meland has been dead uh, since March of 1986. <laughs> and now more breaking news from WQAT those, News those, 8. Those were good times. Uh, that was, uh, yeah. The bangles were hot. <laughs> it might have been a, 
Just a look from Susanna Hoffs killed Rayma Land. He was well, killed me. He was seeing he was seeing things in a different light. <laughs> <laughs> the news is brought to you by Premier Jewelry and Hang on. I don't want to interrupt your your read, but uh, but this needs to be done. <laughs> Consider yourself zing. The zing of the day. He, uh, he always tried to get a lot done on the weekend because he knew what was coming up. <laughs> Number five. 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 Number five. Every once in a while, you have an interaction with a coworker, a family member, maybe a complete stranger, and you think, wait, was, was I a jerk just now? Uh-huh. And it can just weigh on you where you're thinking, I, did I present myself as well as I could have? Am I a jerk? What these folks will do, the stories you're about to hear, they go to this subreddit, and they put it to complete strangers. Here's the situation. Here's how I acted. Did I behave poorly? Am I the jerk here? Am I a jerk? Because I told my sister she's required to wear a bra at my wedding. (laughs) I love my sister. And truthfully, when I say required... I'm obviously not going to kick her out if she doesn't wear one. Uh. But, like, she really, really, really needs to. Uh huh. But doesn't like to. My sister is well-endowed and hates bras. When she's wearing certain items like baggy T-shirts, it's so noticeable. It's not so noticeable, I should say. But it's in still the, noticeable. In, yeah, don't kid yourself. But the uh, dress that she chose, I just gave her a color. The dress that she chose, she's wearing at my wedding. It will be very, very obvious she's not wearing a bra. And one wrong move, and she could be flashing everybody. Not only does it look bad, but it's borderline inappropriate. I told her, let's go shopping, and she can try out a bunch of different ones. Uh I even found a boutique in our area because stores carry very few options for bras in her size. And I said I'd be happy to pay for whatever she picked out. Mm -hmm. Now she's saying I'm just playing into sexist stereotypes. (laughs) I'm saying there's a good chance if you dance too hard in this dress, your stuff's going to pop out, and I don't think that's sexist. So am I the jerk here? And the the sister can't throw throw you a bone for one day, huh? Doesn't sound like it. Mm-hmm. Here's another wedding one. Am I a jerk for not wanting to take part in the bouquet toss at my friend's wedding? Just don't do it. Well, the, the, that's what the plan was. You know, I've, I've never heard of this. Like, if you don't want to do the garter toss or the bouquet toss, yeah. you can just walk. Like, that's when you go to the bar. Yeah, right. Just find you. Yeah. Excuse yourself. A couple of weekends ago, I was at the wedding of my good college friend, Amy. For context, I'm in a long-term relationship, but I do not plan on getting married for various reasons, including the fact that I don't want a wedding, as I hate a lot of the traditions involved for feminist reasons. I don't really care about having a wedding anyway. My friends all know this. I could not care less if other people do these traditions. I've never judged anyone for doing so. I've had a great time at all of my friends' weddings. Well, at Amy's wedding, we get to the bouquet toss. I don't like this tradition. So in general, I opt not to take part. And given I don't even plan on getting married, it makes sense for me to sit this one out. When I saw the bouquet toss was happening, I went to go to the bathroom. The maid of honor saw me leaving and told me that I should wait until after the toss. I said, no, I need to go. And she said, well, then I'll make them wait until you get back. I insisted they go ahead, and the maid of honor gave me a very long stare, a sigh, and then went to go take part in the toss. A few days later, the bride and this maid of honor got in touch and expressed how disappointed they were in me that I didn't take part in the bouquet toss for Amy's sake. Every other unmarried woman took part, they said, and that... Me making a statement at Amy's wedding was cruel. Amy said her bouquet toss memories are now tarnished forever, knowing how much I'm judging her. 
They said I can decide to not do things at my own wedding, but it's only polite to take part in the activities at other people's. I want to make it very clear that I barely talk about my opinions on this stuff. Only when asked with so many disclaimers that I do not judge people by doing it. I'm just not the person that wants to do a bouquet toss. So am I the jerk here? Just don't do it. Well, she she wanted to not do it. And they, they're making her feel like a uh, real piece of garbage. It seems like a lot of times with these Amaya jerks, these are folks who have just, for reasons we can't begin to understand, these are folks that just have terrible friends. Yeah. Who are putting, who, who's putting you through this stuff? I can't imagine a friend who would insist that you partake in a bouquet toss when you don't want to that this is the first time they've ever done some sort of jerky thing to you. It seems like a heck of a moment to reveal that you're a sinister monster. Am I a jerk for using a baby name that my sister called Dibs on? Oh, no. I'm a 23-year-old pregnant woman. If I get there first. (laughs) 26-year-old pregnant woman, pregnant with my second child. We don't know the gender of the baby, but we'll be finding out next week. The topic of baby names recently came up in conversation with my family, and I told them a girl name that we like and want to use. My 19-year-old sister looked disgusted and said, quote, No, I claimed that name years ago. Don't use my name. Here's the thing. I didn't know she had claimed a name, nor did I know she even wanted kids. After I had my first baby, my dad got carried away in excitement and asked her when she wants... When, when she wants to have her first kid, to which she replied, I don't even know if I want him. That wasn't even a year ago yet that this happened, by the way. I didn't say anything, but I did tell my husband. He suggested the same name, but a longer version of it. But now I'm worried that the fact that the name is still technically the name she placed dibs on. But it's the name that, the only name that my husband and I both like and agree on. Would I be a jerk for using it? People cause such problems for themselves. Dibs. The only name that'll work. Because <laughs> everybody else's name in this world is trash. Everyone's got a stupid name. That's not a thing you can do calling dibs on a name. Isn't there a whole Seinfeld episode about this? Last one. Am I? Well, a- I mean, I don't know about calling dibs, but it could be something that forever you knew that. Mm-hmm. You know, when I have a kid, I'm going to call it's blah, blah, blah. And you've known that forever mm-hmm. because your brothers and sisters, you know, your siblings. Yeah. And this is just something that's it's always been the case. And it's like, no, nah, I'm taking it. <laughs> what? So wait a minute. You think you can call dibs on a name? No, I, well, I mean, it, it just, if someone, since, say, since they were like 10 years old, they've mm-hmm. always said, you know what? When I have a kid, I want to call I'm going to name my son Matthew. Yes. They say that at, at, and a, I, at and, an early And you've known it. that. You sure. Know that. It's like, sure. I'm, I'm going to call my kid Matthew <laughs> because I got there first. What do you think of that, stupid? But to be clear, that's not the story here. The, the sister had no idea that her sister had called dibs oh, on this yeah. name. You can't say we're going to name the kid Matthew. Nope. I called that name already. Pick a different name. Last one, am I a jerk for prioritizing my cat over taking my partner out to a birthday dinner? What? I'm going to issue a warning for this one. Hold on to your cat. No kidding. I'm a 27-year-old woman. I'm dating a 28-year-old man whose birthday was on Monday. We were supposed to go out to an extravagant birthday dinner since he had spent a lot of money on my birthday earlier in the year. He earns a lot more than I do, so I can only do so much, but still, we've been together for two years. Well, on the day preceding when we were supposed to go out for his birthday dinner, I noticed my cat had what appeared to be a cyst in her eye. It appeared overnight and looked very painful and bad. Mm. I drove her two hours to an emergency vet open one Sunday. Oh, (laughs) instead and got some eye drops, but there's a really big risk she may end up losing her eye. 
She hasn't been eating because of the pain, and I was really worried, so I canceled the dinner and decided to stay at home with the cat, telling my partner we can reschedule it for another night yeah. and that he's welcome to come over and look after the cat with me. He got really upset and said he had taken the next day as a vacation day already because uh-huh. he was planning on getting pretty drunk at his birthday dinner and that the waiting list for that particular restaurant is three months and they won't have his favorite seasonal special then. Oh, wow. So I was being incredibly selfish and a real jerk. Am I the jerk here? I think you're dating a baby. Here's the thing. On this subreddit, people are telling her that she is a jerk for doing this. Somebody says, you are a jerk. I highly doubt you're staying up 24 hours a day keeping constant watch over your cat. You surely could have stepped out for a few hours to fulfill the commitment you made to your boyfriend. Also, if you're truly worried about your cat scratching his or her eye, you had plenty of time between the vet visit and the birthday dinner to purchase a cone or something. If that still wasn't enough to give you peace of mind, you could have hired a friend to sit with the cat for a few hours. Wow. People piling on. Plus, celebrating a birthday after the age of 12 is... What, what, is, what are you talking about? <laughs> I adore my pets, too, but it's not physically possible to watch them 24-7, and it's ludicrous to pretend otherwise. Do you take off work for several weeks while your pet recovers from surgery? Because if not, then your pet would be alone with a cone for a few hours. Yeah, everyone's just piling on this person. I don't know. If if someone's like, I, I got to cancel my thing because my pet's sick, then there's your opportunity to be a human being and go, okay, we'll do it some other time. You're right. You're big, go, have you're, your, go have your precious birthday dinner. <laughs> But it's my birthday, and they it's won't have my... Birthday and there'll be a birthday cake and everything. My seasonal favorite won't be available. <laughs> Go eat by yourself, then, yeah. Have two. Is it all over, Rock? I guess so. I didn't think it'd be like this. That was Dave and Darren's Top 5 Things podcast. Hope you enjoyed it. Yeah, it was brought to you by Nature's Treatment of Illinois. Make sure you sign up if you are a resident of Illinois for your medical cannabis card through leafwell.com. You'll receive coupons and discounts and sign up for the newsletter and connect with Nature's Treatment on Twitter and Instagram. Until we get a chance to give you another one of these Top 5 Things podcasts. Hang loose, you kooks. And you stay classy and safe, Quad Cities. Come on, Quad Cities. Representing, this is for the Quad Cities reference spot. Davin Ford, yeah, we keeping it locked. Rock out, come on, and it just don't stop. East Moline, yeah, they keeping it hot. Uh. Your time is up. This isn't over until I say it's over! Stand clear of the closing doors, please.